got a text for an emergency alert. The text read, Emergency. Heavy rains with possible floods imminent. Do not leave your home under any circumstances. Effective immediately. Lock your doors and cover your windows. Avoid making loud noise or using devices that emit light. If your household members have been outside in the rain, do not let them inside. Await further notice from the authorities. This was weird, to say the least. First off, the weather outside was fine. I was outside just prior to receiving the text and not a single cloud was in the sky. And then the instructions themselves. They didn't make any sense. Don't let your family members inside if they'd been out in the rain. Before I could process that thought properly, I heard drumming of the rain on the roof of my home. I glanced out my window and realized that the previously sunny day had now turned into a sudden downpour. The drumming that I had heard on the roof became louder by the second, until there was the only sound permeating the house. Despite my skepticism at the instructions of the message, I decided to abide by the rules and pull the blinds over my windows, as well as lock my doors. I returned to my living room in order to send my boss a text that I won't be coming to work, but upon my attempt, I realized that the message could not be sent. Not only were the services off, but there was no internet either, so I couldn't check what was going on in the news. I wanted to turn on the TV, but I remembered what the message said about light-emitting devices. So I did the only thing that an internet-deprived person could do at the moment. I took a nap. The rain was loud, but the drumming of it put me to sleep more easily. I woke up sometime later, confused and groggy. The battering of the rain hadn't let up. If anything, it was only more violent now. I glanced at my phone and realized that it was 5 p.m. Still no service or internet. I got up and I went to the kitchen to grab some water. Still half asleep, I poured water into a glass and brought it to my mouth. However, something stopped me before I could take a sip. In addition to the heavy rain outside, I heard a distinctive sound of footsteps splashing in my backyard. It was brief and sounded like someone just ran from one end to the other, but it was definitely there. I scanned my backyard through my back door, but it was empty. I was sure that I heard footsteps, so I decided to open the door and peek outside. As soon as I did so, the already loud thundering of the rain became even louder, almost sounding like a waterfall was next to me. I stepped forward to the edge of the grass and right away saw fresh footprints across the lawn. They started from one end of the fence and ended all the way across the lawn on the other side. It was as if someone had jumped over the fence, ran across my backyard, and jumped again into my neighbor's yard. Hello? I foolishly called out, looking at my neighbor's fence. No response came back. Of course it didn't. Maybe it was the neighbor's kid who got caught in the rain and decided to hurry back home. I turned around and I went back inside, closing the door behind me and someone muffling the noise of the rain. I drank the unfinished glass of water and returned to my living room. Just as I was about to sit down, I heard another noise. A group of voices coming from the street. 
I could barely make them out due to the battering of the rain. But they spoke loudly to each other, so I could just barely hear them. I peeked outside my window and saw a group of armed soldiers standing in the middle of the street in front of my house. They were talking among each other and from their body language and hand gestures, it was apparent that they weren't chatting about everyday mundane activities. I wanted to know what was going on, so against my better judgment, I opened my front door and I stepped out onto the porch. Report back after a full sweep. I came outside just in time to catch one of these soldiers shouting. As soon as they noticed me, they pointed their guns at me in unison. Whoa, don't shoot! I raised my hands instinctively. I just wanted to know what was going on. Sir, you need to get back inside right now. The soldier at the front who was shouting orders earlier said. And then something happened that I cannot comprehend to this day. As these soldiers stood there pointing their guns at me, something flew through the street at an impossible speed and grabbed one of the soldiers at the back, taking him along with it and disappearing out of sight. It all happened in a split second, and all that remained of the soldier was his gun that fell on the ground with a muffled clatter. I felt my hands and jaws slowly drop and my eyes widened as the soldier who was at the front continued barking orders at me. The others seemed oblivious to their squad member's disappearance until one of them glanced to the side and saw the gun on the ground. Hey, Lieutenant, where's Ramirez? He asked. The whole group turned towards the gun on the ground and started looking around for the soldier and shouting his name. I wanted to tell them what I saw, but I wasn't even sure what had happened myself. One of the soldiers pointed down the street at something that I couldn't see from my porridge. And when their whole squad looked in that direction, their look of confusion turned into one of palpable fear. They pointed their guns at whatever was there, and just as I was about to strain my neck to look at what they were so worried about, I was ordered by the lieutenant once more to get inside, this time a lot more violently. I would have ignored the order itself, but the demonic, high-pitched scream that suddenly came from down the street is what caused me to run back inside, lock my door, and prop it with my back, while my heart pounded like crazy, even though I had no idea what the heck was going on. Gunshots were mixed in the air along with the animalistic screeches that now sounded like they were right to my ear. A moment later, both the screaming and the gunshots ceased, and the only thing that remained was uh, the drumming of the rain. My heart was pounding fast, and my thoughts racing a million miles per hour. What the hell just happened? Before I could process that thought entirely, there was a knock on my door. Sir, you can open the door, it's safe now. It was the lieutenant. Safe from what, I thought to myself. I stood up and I stared at the door, holding my breath. Sir, open the door. The soldier said again. Something didn't seem right in the way that he said it, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Sir, if you don't open the door, I will be forced to break in. The lieutenant repeated. There was no annotation in his sentence. It was just as if he had read it off a line of paper. Sir, I am warning you. His sentence cut off and the sound of gunfire echoed somewhere in the distance. There 
is a sound of violent splashing footsteps moving away from the door, which I assumed came from the lieutenant. I glanced through the peephole and sure enough, he was gone. But the sight in front of me is what made my heart drop to the pit of my stomach. Strewn about the street in front of my house were the mangled and mutilated dead bodies of the soldiers that I had just seen. Their blood washed away by the pouring rain. I counted the bodies and my suspicions were correct. The entire group had perished. I felt guilty and stupid for disobeying the alert instructions like that. In my skepticism and lack of understanding, I thought it was a simple rain warning and decided to carelessly move about my property. Now those soldiers were dead, and I may have had part of the blame to take. I tried to push that thought out of my head and to figure out what I should do next. I checked my phone again and there was of course still no signal. I made sure my windows were covered properly and I turned on the TV. I flipped through the channels but none of them seemed to work. I quickly turned off the TV out of fear that I'll attract more of whatever the hell was out there. I went to the storage room and I fetched my dusty old radio. After putting in the batteries, I turned up the volume and started fiddling with the frequencies. Static, static, static. No wait. There was something on one of the frequencies along with static. There were voices in the background, just barely audible. I adjusted the radio wheel until I could hear the voices more clearly. Dead from HQ. One of the voices said, Negative as sweeping until we go. The other voice responded, You not go back after this? The first voice asked. At this point, the voices became a lot clearer. Yeah, HQ ordered a retreat, and they'll cordon off the city. Voice two responded, Wait, what about the search and rescue? Voice one asked. Forget that. This whole town's a mess as it is. HQ said there's not going to be any more rescue attempts. Voice two replied. So 36 got way out of hand, huh? Voice one asked. Yep, it's not our problem anymore. Any survivors on your end? Voice two said. A couple, but they already saw too much. I had to dispose of them. Copy that. Once you're due, be sack back to base. The voice started to cut off again bit by bit and then they went completely silent, leaving me only with static. What the heck was that all about? What was 36? And what did they mean they had to dispose of the survivors and that there would be no rescue? Something was definitely wrong here and it was clear that the army knew something that us, the civilians, didn't. One thing was for sure though, I had to get out of town. I couldn't wait for rescue, which wouldn't even come. Being out there with hostile soldiers, or even worse, those things that wiped out the soldiers didn't put my mind at ease. But I had no other choice. I went upstairs and I packed my bag. I put in a pair of clothes because I knew I'd probably be drenched from the rain. I also packed a flashlight and some food and water. I peeked out of my bedroom window and saw that the downpour was finally showing signs of subsiding. The streets were completely empty, save for the dead soldiers. From here, I could see across from my house that my neighbor's door was left open, allowing the wind and rain to seep inside. 
I try not to think about what might have happened there, and I had no intention of finding out. I put on my backpack and I approached the stairs. Not three steps down, I heard something coming from the radio. Along with the static, there was the sound of a slow wheezing. I quickly went down and I grabbed the radio, putting my ear against it to hear the sound better. I tried adjusting the frequency, but no matter how much I did, nothing changed and the static and wheezing remained the same. But frustrated, I figured the radio was broken and I turned it off, but the static and wheezing didn't stop. And then I saw something with the corner of my eye that made my blood run cold. Mud tracks. They were all over my carpet, coming in from the kitchen and leading to the corner of my room. I froze in place, listening as the radio static and wheezing permeated the room. After what seemed like forever, I broke out of my trance and looked towards the corner. The first thing I saw were bony feet caked with mud. As I slowly moved my gaze up, I realized I was staring at a crouched, emaciated figure, which faced the corner of my room, but I couldn't tell its features due to the dark. With extremely trembling hands, I pointed my flashlight to the corner and I flicked it on. A tiny, completely nude and emaciated humanoid creature that I could only describe as a human-like goblin came into light. Its spine was pronounced against its tight skin on the back, so much that I could count the vertebrae. Its limbs looked like they had no meat in them whatsoever and could barely hold its fragile frame. As soon as the flashlight illuminated the creature, it jerked its head towards me with mouth wide open and scarred eyes. The radio static and wheezing got much louder, and it was just then that I realized the sound was not coming from my radio. It was all I could take. I turned around and I bolted out of there and into the rain, which had now turned into a drizzle, not even bothering to close my front door. I ran down the street, occasionally looking behind me to see if the goblin creature would come chasing me. My sprint slowed down to a jog and eventually, I stopped and I looked back towards my house, leaning on my knees and panting, listening to the sound of rain around me. I breathed a sigh of relief momentarily. And then I heard a blood-curdling scream behind me. I turned around and saw a young man who was covered in wounds all over, crawling towards me with anger in his eyes and bloodlust that I had never seen in anyone before. As he got closer, I realized he was missing both legs in what looked like a terrible accident, leaving only two mangled stumps, but that didn't stop him from closing in on me. I started running again, and it was just then that I realized how much these streets were actually not empty. I saw dead bodies of both civilians and soldiers. I saw crashed vehicles and more corpse-looking people crawling out despite their fatal injuries. I saw amalgamations of creatures I cannot describe in words, roaming about the streets or lying dead along with the soldiers, their dark blood staining the ground beneath them. I looked back and saw that despite my running speed, the legless man was still close behind me. I turned right and ran across the lawn, climbing over the fence and into a backyard. I stopped and stared at the fence, figuring that I was safe. There was no way the crawling man could reach me here. But a second later, he came crawling over the fence, still screaming at the top of his lungs. I started backpedaling, 
but slipped and fell on my back. The legless man lunged at me from a distance that would make an Olympic athlete envious. But before he could fall on top of me, he fell backwards on the grass with a loud bang. I looked to my right and saw an elderly man pointing a shotgun at the attacker. The legless man got right back up and started crawling again, until the man blasted him one more time. This time, the crawler fell backwards and rides on the floor with a scream impossible to be made by humans, before completely ceasing all movement and noise, and I was left with nothing but the sound of rain again. And then the old man cocked his shotgun once more. I looked up at him and saw that he had it trained at me, and the way his knuckles had turned white, I knew that he was ready to shoot me right there. Wait, don't shoot. I'm not one of them. I raised one hand, still sitting on the ground. Prove it, he said with a rough voice. What do you mean, prove it? I'm talking to you, aren't I? I scoffed. That don't mean shit, he spat on the ground. Look, I just left my home minutes ago because of all the crazy stuff that's happening. I have no idea what's going on, I swear. I recited in one breath. He didn't budge for a while, and the expression on his face looking like he was weighing his options. Finally, after a moment of contemplation, he lowered the gun down and gave me his hand, saying, You'll catch a cold out here, son. Let's get you inside. A young woman with cargo pants with a gun in her hand opened the back door of the old man's house. When she saw us, she stepped aside and let us in, while carefully eyeing me. Take your damn shoes off, the old man said. I don't want you tracking no mud inside. Dad, no. He might need to run out quickly in case they get inside, the girl said. Fine. The man grunted and proceeded into the living room, leaning his shotgun on the sofa where he sat. Make yourself at home, the girl said. But don't try anything stupid. She went past me and inside the living room. Everything about her confidence in verbal and body language had told me that she was trained for this exact type of situation. But I didn't want to ask her anything yet. I joined them in the living room and sat opposite of the old man. Name's Harry, he said as he lit a cigarette. And this here is my daughter, Alyssa. I introduced myself as the old man kept staring at me silently. I couldn't decipher any emotions on the old man's face. You live close by, don't ya? Harry asked. Yeah, a few blocks away. That creature made me get into your backyard. I didn't mean to trespass, I said. Are you headed to the hospital? Alyssa asked. No, why? I shook my head. Some survivors are gathering up there. and said so on the news before they stopped broadcasting. They're probably still there, though. Harry said... Harry, do you know anything about what's going on? I leaned forward. Devil's work, I'll tell you. Harry responded nonchalantly. Ever since they started mining two years ago, I kept telling them something would go wrong. Dad, come on, not this again. Alyssa rolled her eyes. Harry simply ignored her and continued. It ain't natural to go digging into the earth. It wasn't meant for no humans. I can bet you they woke something up down there in that quarry. So do you know if the military has any plans for a rescue mission?
I pretended not to know. I also wanted to know if Alyssa was with the army and hoped that I could get my answer this way. Something told me that if she was with the military, I would already be dead. Ain't no military coming to save a son, Harry said. Saw them retreating with their armored vehicles and Alyssa here saw them shooting civilians on sight. Alyssa nodded. So you're not military? I asked her directly. X, she responded. I nodded and then said, So, uh, I guess our best bet is to go to the hospital, I finally said. Alyssa nodded. You could go there and wait it out, Harry said. Or find the survivors there and use numbers to bust your way out of town. Hospital's close by, but there may be some of those monsters roaming around, Alyssa said. Just after a few minutes of talking to her, I could see a semblance to her father, despite her not being as stubborn as Harry. I nodded and we sat in silence for a moment. Do you know anything about 36? I heard them talking over the radio about 36 getting out of hand. I finally asked. They both seemed confused, but before they could give a proper response, there was a sound of glass breaking in the kitchen, followed by a gurgling noise. Harry shot up and grabbed his shotgun, while Alyssa pointed her handgun at the doorway. I saw a hatchet leaning on the side of the fireplace, so I grabbed it and got ready for whatever was coming. A moment later, the gurgling got louder and a man that looked completely charred, as if he was burnt all over, she hobbled inside. When he saw us, his gurgling turned into a painful scream, which were cut short with Alyssa's bullet to the head. Another sound of glass breaking, this time behind us and another charred person, a woman jumped inside, completely ignoring the deep cuts on her body from the broken window. She started crawling towards me, and when she grabbed out of my foot, something kick-started my fight-or-flight instinct. I raised the hatchet above my head and brought it down with full force on the woman. The blade struck the top of the woman's skull, making her stop moving completely. I didn't have time to react, as another charred person stumbled in through the window, this one having patches of blazing skin on his body. I pulled the hatchet out of the woman's skull, but the man managed to grab my hand before I could swing again. A loud bang resounded, and the man fell dead from another one of Alyssa's bullets. More of them kept coming in, and the room turned into a cacophony of gunshots, and Harry's, come on you ugly son of a guns, shouts. I managed to bring down one more charred creature with a hatchet, and as I turned around, I saw that one of them tackled Alyssa to the ground and thrashed violently, while she tried to free her hand of his grip and shoot him. I swung the hatchet as hard as I could, embedding it into the attacker's collarbone. He screamed in a human scream and fell backwards when I pulled out the blade. He started scooting back with his heels, holding his bleeding shoulder. But by this point, adrenaline took over my actions completely, so I had no intention of stopping. I gripped the hatch with both hands and brought it down on the creature over and over, first severing one of his arms at the forearm, and then finally killing him with a strike to the face. Just then I realized everything was quiet again. No gunshots, uh, no gurgling, no swearing on Harry's end. Just the sound of our panting. Uh, I owe you. Alyssa patted me on the shoulder as she stood up. I bet you're thankful now you didn't have to take off those shoes. 
These goddamn assholes. Harry cursed as he reloaded his gun. You can't stay here any longer, kids. Get to the hospital. Wait, what about you? Alyssa interjected. I ain't leaving our home behind. Don't be stupid, Dad. If you stay, you'll die. I promised your mama that this would always be our home. I'm not letting these hells on take it away from us. You could see the disapproval in Alyssa's eyes. So he put his hand on her cheek and said, I know you're worried, baby girl, but I'll be fine. I have enough food and water to last me here for a month. And the basement is the safest place in town right now. But you need to get yourselves out of here. You understand? Hesitantly, she nodded and put her already packed backpack on. She and I went to the front door and Harry escorted us there. It was dark already outside, but the rain still wouldn't let up. Now remember what we talked about, he said. If the rain gets too heavy, you find cover immediately, you hear? That's when the nasty ones come out. He looked at me and shoved a handgun in my hands. You keep my daughter safe, you hear? You keep her safe. I looked at the gun and nodded. I never used a gun before, but now it seems I would have to if I wanted to survive. Harry and Alyssa hugged it tightly for a long moment, with Harry whispering that he loved her, before she broke away hesitantly and turned around. Come on, let's go, she told me and walked down to the pavement. Thank you, Harry, for saving my life, I said, and I gave him one last look. For the first time in the short time that I knew him, I thought I finally saw an emotion on his face. An emotion which didn't suit him in the slightest. Despair. I expected Alyssa's mood to change drastically after leaving Harry behind. But she was as focused on surviving now as she was prior to that. The streets were way emptier now than they were when I first ran outside of my house. We walked in the middle of the road to avoid getting jumped from the corner even though we knew it was equally risky exposing ourselves like that. Whenever we heard an inhuman sound in the distance, Alyssa made a stop until we were sure we weren't in any danger. Walking in the rain gave us some cover, which allowed us to move relatively faster, but we still had to be careful. Wait, I whispered to Alyssa, pointing down the street. You see that? There was a little girl a few hundred yards away from us, standing in the middle of the road, facing away from us. My initial instinct was to go and see if she was okay, but based on everything I had seen by that point, I knew there was a high probability that this wasn't a little girl in distress at all. I was right because, as soon as Alyssa saw her, she cursed under her breath and pulled me aside behind a bush. What's wrong? I asked. Whatever you see there, that's not a little girl. Alyssa peeked behind the bush where we hid. Saw her or someone resembling her a bit earlier. She said exactly like that so when a guy approached her to help during the chaos. She turned around and she had no freaking eyes or nose. Instead, her entire face was replaced by a big vertical line for her mouth with sharp teeth. The poor guy never stood a chance. So what do we do? I asked. Let's try a different street, she suggested. We snuck through our backyard, ignoring the dead bodies along the way, and went through to the adjacent street. Halfway through, I heard a pained groan coming from a dark alley to my left. I readied my hatchet.
While Alyssa readied her gun, a creature crawled out into the light, barely able to pull its own weight with what was left of its human-looking arm. The thing looked like a swollen blob in its shape, barely recognizable where the head was, which I could only tell from the eye visible under the heavily swollen blisters. Some of the blisters looked volatile, pulsating under the streetlight, looking like they would pop at the slightest touch. I try not to think about whether it used to be a human, as it pathetically dragged itself towards us, groaning through the small slit of a mouth, the one visible eye wide open, and darting from Alyssa to me intermittently. Leave it, Alyssa said. It's harmless unless it manages to grab you. I saw one earlier. She holstered her gun and urged me to follow her. I gave the amalgamation of the creature one last glance before following my partner. What exactly have you seen, Alyssa? I asked while walking behind her. She was silent for a moment before responding. I got caught on the downpour while heading home. It was like a war zone. Military killing everything. Monsters of all shapes and sizes killing everything. And civilians just trying to escape. I didn't stick around to find out. Since the heavy rain brought some really bad monsters. Wait, look. I pointed to graffiti on a billboard. It said, 36 will save us. You mentioned it before, right? Alyssa asked. What is it? I don't know. Heard the military talking about it over the radio. Whoever, whatever it is, it's responsible for all the crazy stuff happening in town. We walked in silence for the rest of the way until we had reached the hospital. It's a good thing, too, because the rain started to get heavier by the time that we had reached the entrance. There were no monsters in front, but when we entered, our hearts dropped at the amount of dead bodies at the front desk, both human and otherwise. Shit. Alyssa cursed quietly and readied her gun. This was a bad idea. Oh, we should get out of here, I said. As if a higher force heard me, it started raining cats and dogs again. So going outside at this point was impossible. Let's proceed carefully, Alyssa said. Maybe they barricaded themselves somewhere upstairs. We got past the reception, carefully stepping around the dead bodies. The hospital wasn't big, so we figured we would check it out quickly enough. The elevator was completely demolished, so that was out of the question. Really, though, it looked as if a truck drove through it, bedding the door inward all the way to the backside. We climbed the stairs to the second floor, and as soon as we did, the air became heavy. It's hard to explain, but it was as if someone had been keeping all the windows shut for a long time, making the room stuffy. There were no dead bodies, but the place was chaotic. Stretchers and trash bins had knocked over, etc. Let's split up to check each side separately, Alyssa said when we reached the end of the corridor. I'll check the patient rooms on this side. You check that one. Let's meet up here once we're done, and if you see anything, scream. I wasn't exactly happy at the thought of roaming this place alone, but I hesitantly nodded and we split up. All the other rooms were empty, just like the rest of the floor. It didn't make sense.